My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Joe Folkman is co-founder and president of Zanger Folkman, a firm specializing in leadership and organizational development. As one of the nation's renowned psychometricians, his surveys and assessments utilize a database comprised of over 1 million assessments on over 80,000 leaders. Joe's clients include AT&T, General Motors, General Mills, Wells Fargo, and Yale University. He has published nine books, and his research has been published in the Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and the Wall Street Journal. Joe holds a doctorate degree in social and organizational psychology, as well as a master's degree in organizational behavior from Brigham Young University. I hope you enjoy learning from Joe Folkman today, because I certainly did. Joe, it's so great to connect today. We have a mutual friend in Paul Gustafson, and of course, lots of overlapping career interests. So it's great to be able to chat with you today. Oh, thanks, Nate, for the invitation. And Paul's a wonderful friend and amazing, amazing guy. Done incredible work. And and he is one of the people that is responsible for me pursuing my PhD in organizational behavior. And Joe, as, as you think back on the things you've learned over your incredible career, what lessons would you most like to pass on to future generations? Yeah, the, all the all the hard knocks I've uh, I've encountered. <laughs> so, one of the things that I've done a lot of is three sixty degree feedback, and if if people don't know what that is, it's a it's a really good way to torture people because <laughs> basically. We have a survey that you give to your manager, your peers, your direct reports, and other people, and and uh, it's anonymous. And then we say to people, we won't tell the the respondent who you are, so just just tell them what you really think, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and give them feedback and. Uh, and and actually what what's interesting about it is is it, one of the funny things in life is if you ask people to to sort of predict what they're good at and what they're not good at and you ask any other raider that knows them well uh you know who the worst person is at knowing what they're good at and bad at you know you would think it would be the person who doesn't live with that person in their head, but it's, it's, it's ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we're the worst. We either overrate or underrate, but as we've studied it and we've looked at, you know, uh, R squared, you know, and we've looked at your ability to predict your strengths and weaknesses versus any boss, peer, direct report or other, other people are twice as accurate as you are. Wow. You don't, you don't get it. You don't see it, right? <laughs> and and so what, that's one of the mysteries, if you will, of of life. So we we discovered this a long time ago. I I was actually, uh, you know, started to work with Bill Dyer, and you know he he's one of the kind of the masters of the field, and Gene Dalton and and Paul Thompson and 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 these guys, and they were doing three sixty degree feedback. Early on, they they created one of the first 360s, and it's it's grown a lot since then, and there's it's changed a lot. And we actually find that that if you look at the ability to predict potential, right, 
uh, in in a in a in a leader. Uh, when we've measured it, we looked at like Hogan psychological assessments versus 360. And the Hogan, the best correlation to potential we could come up with is about 0.13. But with 360, the correlation was 0.55. Wow. I mean, I mean, it is so much better because other people kind of see you and they're accurate. And we think it's a great way to predict potential. So you can imagine getting this feedback report with all this information from other people. And when people look at it, they're, they're going down through it and in a rank order stuff, you know, this is the stuff you're really good at and this stuff you were really bad at. And what's interesting about people's natural, natural approach to what they do with that is they look at the good stuff and go, oh, okay, I'm pretty good. And then they look at the bad stuff and they go, oh, crap. And then when they say, well, what are you going to work on to improve? Guess what it is? The good stuff? <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's the bad stuff. I mean, our natural inclination is to kind of sort of accept what we're good at, but then to work on the weaknesses, right? And that was my mentality for 25 years. I would give people this feedback and I'd say, you know, figure out why you're such a loser. <laughs> you know, it's like, and they, they, and they pick the most negative thing and they go, oh, I'm not very good at this. And, and then, you say, well, get better. And, and after um, a while, I, I, I ended up being uh, in the same offices as my partner, Jack Zanger. And Jack's a curious person. He's the most curious person I've ever met in my life. But, but he and I got together and, and we wrote this book called uh, The Extraordinary Leader. And, and in that, you know, he started asking me questions. And one of the questions he said was, you know, what's the impact of doing things well? Okay. And I thought, well, let's look at it. I don't know. But I, you know, we made an interesting discovery there. What we discovered was that 80% of the time, people would be better off focusing on developing a strength than working on a weakness. Mm. Our natural inclination is to work on the stuff we're not good at, right? But when we looked at the power of having, you know, doing something well, the problem, you know, what, what we found was if, if you didn't have any strength and a strength we defined as one of the competencies we measured at the 90th percentile. So something you're really good at, right? So if you didn't have any strengths, your average effectiveness was the 34th percentile. So you're in the bottom third with no strengths. But if you did one thing well, and we'd measured people on 19 dimensions, if you did one out of 19 really well, you, you'd say, well, yeah, the average is going to go up because you do one thing well. And if you say, well, how much, you know, a good mathematician say, well, one nineteenth, right? Because mm -hmm. they're all equal, right? Well, it turns out if you, if you do one thing well, you move from the 34th percentile to the 64th percentile, the bottom third to almost the top third, right? And if you did three things well, you're in the 80th, 81st percentile. You're in the top 20% wow. of leaders. 
And, and it started to get us thinking about what effective leadership was, because, I mean, can anybody do 19 things really well? <laughs> <laughs> but could you do three? Could you be really, really good at three things, you know? And, and Nate, as you think about your career, and it's like, what's helped you the most? Has it been, you know, sort of correcting your weaknesses? Or was it standing out in some way and really demonstrating competence in, yeah. in a few things? And uh, so we flip-flopped that and we started to say, what makes a great leader is that they're really good at a few things. And if you think of a leader like Steve Jobs, right? Did Steve Jobs have any profound strengths? Absolutely. You know, communication, vision, drive. Yeah. Was he perfect? <laughs> Far <from> no. <laughs> I mean, you know, he had a he had a mess of really weaknesses. You know, I mean, uh, you know, and, and we sometimes we call them fatal flaws. So, but, but why did, why was he so great? Well, he, he was really good at a few things. He, he really hit home runs on a few things and he wasn't great at everything, but that's, that's what most of us are like. Right. And, and so that's, a, as we started to think about helping leaders to develop, what we've started to do is, is say to that 80%, Hey, take something you're okay at it, make it great. So that's that was a big insight for me, and that that changed the way I thought about developing. and And I think, as I've talked to leaders, it's interesting to share that philosophy with them and have them go, "Oh man, I've never thought about that." Because yeah. you know, I always through life, whenever I went to a class or did anything, I'd always sort of work on you know what's wrong and what could i do better and what's the and i didn't sort of say how could i stand out <laughs> it's it's just it's just a funny thing and i think you know the the lessons you learn in school sort of point you towards what's wrong well joe i teach leadership and i just had that kind of light bulb moment as you were describing this that realization of of course we can't be good at everything and, and my mind goes to sports. So I think of, you know, let's imagine we give Tom Brady a 360 degree feedback and it's, you know, <laughs> rating him on sure throwing ability, but also tackling ability and blocking ability and running ability. You know, he's going to fail almost all of them. Yeah. Especially if you give it to Giselle, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, right. There's so nobody can optimize on every single variable. No. And this insight I think is just fantastic of the importance of acknowledging that mm -hmm. and then really just leaning into our strengths. And like you said, even Steve jobs, he had what would be called fatal flaws. Yes. These weren't minor no. <laughs> shortcomings. No, no. Yeah, it's it's it, he's our classic example of it, it, people say, well, can you have both strengths and fatal flaws? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it ends up pulling you down. You should be at the 80, 81st or ninety fifth percentile, but you go, you're down at the eightieth. And and you know what? 
and and if you ask people what what happens with people with fatal flaws if they have profound strength is other people cover for them <laughs> right? yeah and and you think about what's happening with joe biden right now and it's like yeah there's a lot of people covering for him right yeah. Yeah. he's got you know some weaknesses i don't know if it's fatal flaws but but you know it it it's people are taking care of stuff for him which is good that's great uh we need people and, and and we all need people to do that and and, yeah. and so that's I think a fundamental thing that we've discovered that I think can help most people is, is, you know, what are you good at? Well, there was a uh, class I took in undergrad where they introduced me to the idea of paradigm shift. And I, I forget the examples they used, but I remember uh, this moment of like, Oh yeah. When you, you see the world from a totally different lens. And I'm really grateful that we got to talk today because you have done that for me with this simple lesson that you've passed on and observed and learned that, you know, it's so important for leaders to lean into their strengths. And like you said, let other people cover for our weaknesses. Yeah. And, and really when you, when you talk about it, I mean, if it's just this, I'm a little bit better at this. So what we found is, is that, that there was this real power with, with sort of 90th percentile with being really good at something really standing out. Uh, and and which um this an, another insight that we had was we we so we had this big insight we said hey let's tell leaders to build strengths and and then we had this kind of dilemma of saying well how do you build a strength because yeah. <laughs> we knew how to work and fix weaknesses but but let me give you an example. So let's say that, you know, you're really bad at honesty and integrity. So what would you do to get better? Well, you could stop lying, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> quit cheating, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, okay, you know, quit being the deceitful bum. Yeah, okay. So if you have a weakness, how do you get better? Well, you, you, you know, you quit doing bad things and start doing good, you know, so we call that linear development, but let's say you're really pretty good at honesty. You know, people say, yeah, I'm pretty honest guy, you know, but not great, but you want to be great at it. And how would you go from good to great? And, and, and if you ask people, they'd say, well, just be more honest. You just be honest all the time. Just be honest harder. And all those things, you know, just have people they're they're, they're not, you know, there's nothing to do there. Uh, and, and, you know, we sort of say this linear approach, you know, if you're, if you're bad at technical skills, how do you get better? Take a class, read a book. Yeah. Well, wonder if you've taken all the classes and read all the books, how do you become great at it? Well, so what we found is this, this funny thing about competencies. And when we looked at the data, and this is, you know, if you think about the power of AI, the power of AI comes because if you have enough data, you can figure anything out. Yeah. <laughs> and so here's what we did. We had thousands of managers. We had data on them. And we looked at people that were the most honest. And then we started to say, were there other behaviors that helped them to demonstrate their honesty? Right? And so what we found is a series of behaviors. For instance, one of the 
what we called strength builders was assertiveness. Okay. And you kind of go, well, you don't have to be assertive to be honest, do you? And you, you can probably think of somebody who's pretty honest, but they're not very assertive. Mm -hmm. But when we looked at the data, what we found is those people that were rated the highest on honesty tended to be more assertive. And when you say why, it's like, well, imagine sitting in a meeting and something that said this goes against your stated values. And you sit there and you kind of go, should I say something or should I sit here? Should I? I mean, you know. So what competency is it that helps you to stand up and say, I disagree, we can't do that? That's assertiveness. Yeah. yeah. And 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 so what we found is is that these strength builders help you to really become great at a competency. And and so, you know, one competency helps you to be better at another competency. That was an interesting insight, but it helped us create a guide to help people build strengths. How do you do it? Use these strength builders. Yeah, interesting. So how do people find these strength builders? <laughs> they need a very large database. <laughs> <laughs> or they need to get it from us. Uh, you know, we're the only organization that that has this technology that uses it. Everybody else goes around with this idea of linear development. Just be better. Yeah. Just do it more. And 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 so if you look, um, there's a HBR article uh, that uh, that we wrote several years ago that has some examples of that. But if you if you go to zingerfolkman.com and look at, uh, we have articles on every competency, and we'll talk about these strength builders in those competencies and sort of what you can do. And there's lots of webinars there you can watch too to kind of understand how to how to build a strength, how to how to become great at something. So that's that's uh, the only way I know how to do it is <laughs> look at our research. Well, that's great, Joe. I'll link to that in the show notes here of the podcast. Uh, any final lessons you'd like to pass on as we wrap up? You know what's what's interesting um, about this whole field of development is um, when we look at our database of leaders that have gone through a 360 degree feedback process, the average age of those leaders is 43. <laughs> so people go to work in their 20s. Yeah. And so we wait 20 years to yeah. sort of give them feedback. <laughs> Does that seem ridiculous to you? <laughs> I mean, we wait 20 years before they can get, you know, they know how other people see them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, you know, we keep saying we, we, we start too late. We wait too long to, to help people understand how they're doing as a leader and give them insight into, you know, developing as a leader. And thank you for, for teaching that in one of your classes. And, but again, you know, the, the hard thing to learn is how am I perceived? How do people perceive me? And, and so we just encourage people to, to really dive into leadership development earlier and try to get feedback earlier. And, you know, one of the, I think, critical skills that, that really help people is, is just this idea of coachability, this idea of asking for feedback 
How am I doing? You know, what could I have done better? And being coachable throughout your career. And and if people, we find, you know, if we measure coachability, you know, at 25, 26, 30, people are pretty coachable. But if you look at the curve on that, it, every day, every every year that people age, it goes down, you yeah. know, and so people become less coachable as they get older. Um, unless they develop that habit of asking for feedback and and just trying to incorporate it in, into their uh, and so that's that's what I'd encourage people to do is to continue to ask others for feedback. Again, you're the worst person at knowing <laughs> whether you're great or horrible. Other people can see it quite clearly, but you know they'll tell you if you ask them. They won't. I mean, you've got to really ask them nicely. <laughs> you've, you've got to find a truth teller to really tell you. Yeah. But but I, I think that's an important skill to learn. Well, Joe, this was excellent. Like I said, uh, it was a paradigm shift for me. And secondly, my uh, leadership course is wrapping up this semester, and we're discussing leadership development next week. So this is timely Great. for me. I look forward to incorporating this in all of my classes moving forward. Uh, so I just want to thank you for sharing these lessons you've learned over such an incredible career. Just really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast today. Thanks, Nate. It's been a delight. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickels and Dimes. What great lessons Joe shared about leadership. First, when people receive feedback about their strengths and weaknesses, they often choose to focus on their weaknesses. But Joe's research, based on 1 million assessments of 80,000 leaders, shows that people tend to be better off strengthening their strengths rather than improving their weaknesses. Second, building complementary strength builders can help us strengthen our strengths. For example, by improving our assertiveness, we can improve our honesty. In summary, strengthening our strengths often beats improving our weaknesses, and Joe's work shows us how to do that. It's a simple idea. Please take it seriously. Mickle here with a couple requests. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review on your podcast player. Lastly, if you're like me and want to remember all of the lessons shared in previous episodes, visit the list of lessons page on my website, natemickle.com, to see all of the lessons that each previous guest has shared. Thanks for your support.